0: we are back for another episode of the mma report podcast it is tuesday july the 18th 2023 bright and early here on this tuesday morning myself my guy daniel galvan talk everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts and of course we have got a ton we got six different topics to talk about here on this episode of the podcast daniel good morning how you doing bro
1: Man, I'm doing great. You know, we have a lot to talk about, a lot of news. We have a vacant championship in the UFC. Some more details on Fury and Ganu, a hot free agent. A couple of events to talk about, both in the past and in the future. The Rangers beat the Tampa Bay Rays as we're recording. It is a great week.
0: Yeah, before the show, Dave starts talking, I'm like, yeah, bro, didn't watch the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't.
0: And, and part of it is I don't have access to the games because I have YouTube TV and Bally Sports is not a part of YouTube TV.
1: Look, I didn't watch the game either, but I read about it. And <laughs> if I see that the Rangers won the game, I, I read all about it. If they lost, uh, we're moving on. We're moving on, as Bill Pelichick says. But, you know, I've been paying extra attention to my Texas Rangers because uh, they went into the all-star break. Not looking too good, but in a matchup between two of baseball's best teams, the Rays and the Rangers. The Rays, your favorite. Rangers, mine. Texas won, game one. But I think as people listen to this podcast, uh, you know, maybe the Rays will win game two. But uh, I guess we're not here to talk about baseball, huh? We're here to talk about some uh, some face punching, some some people kicking each other, some mixed martial arts action.
0: Gruesome injuries. Oh my God, don't even talk well, about that. We'll, we'll talk about that horror, later on. oh. Like when they went to that replay, I was like, no, no, I do not want to see this. And it, yeah, could, at that point, could you just turn off all the microphones around that cage? We, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But, you know, last week here on the podcast, and, and I tell Daniel this all the time, is you never know who might be listening. And, you know, I talked about what my advice to the PFO would be if they do go out there and buy Bellator and it really interesting interaction I got from that. Both, uh, you know, kind of people agree with me. Some people offer up some various points and it, it's an interesting time to see what's going to happen in terms of the PFL and, you know, and, and what happens with Bellator and, we'll see what happens there, but it's been an interesting interaction. You know, one of the things of, you know, talking to people over the past couple weeks, they said, you know, they just hope that, you know, maybe PFL just kind of, if they do buy Bellator, does look at that staff of the Bellator staff and say, hey, there's some people you could bring in to make your promotion, you know, better for the long term, but one of the more interesting conversations I had with somebody was, they were saying to me, like, they're like, yeah, you know what, I, and and this is not someone who works for the PFL or works for Bellator, you know, someone in the M manager. And he said, he goes, I really hope that PFL doesn't buy Bellator. And he and his per he, the group he said we wish that would buy Bellator, the Khan family. And the Khan family has FU money,
1: the t- Tony Khan AW.
0: Yeah, family. I, I will His His father has the his FU father. money.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. I mean, they have their hands in a lot of sports so that would really fit their portfolio and 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 he does have f u money um, he is i mean all all these players we're talking about have f u money but that is something i hadn't thought about until the second uh, i'm kind of thinking about now and i don't know if the con family would do it but it certainly would be interesting it would be an interesting little uh, counter to um, you know the WWE being in bed with the UFC, with AEW maybe being in bed with Bellator, but uh, I I guess it would just be a matter of the most important thing for Bellator is really simple moving forward. It's just getting their product on a place where people can watch it more regularly. Um, Showtime just means less today than it used to mean. Whenever Strike Force is on Showtime, and. Really, the only premium cable network to me that means anything right now is HBO. Usually, people are watching their HBO product on the applications, but people are still turning on HBO to watch Succession, uh, which is now over. But Showtime to me just—it's just a hit. It's hidden on the cable channel. If you can get your product on Turner, that would be amazing. And and that's what Bellator probably needs to do. And maybe if the Con family gets them, they can get a better TV deal. In all likelihood, I think the PFL is going to get Bellator. That just seems like where things are going. A lot of times in industries, companies eat each other up in the same industry to bolster their stuff. But who knows? I mean, I saw on UFC.com apparently uh, the Pitbull brothers have been on the UFC roster since March. So uh, maybe the UFC is going to swoop in and buy Bellator. But I think think for UFC, bro, buying Bellator makes no sense just because – it's going to possibly give them headaches for Monopoly discussions and the and the reward just isn't there in terms of like, yeah, you're going to have the Pitbull brothers and AJ McKee and Aaron Pico and those are phenomenal talents, but it's not worth the Monopoly discussion.
0: No, I, I don't. And that was interesting because I, I saw that on my Twitter uh, feed this morning, and I want to say it was Nolan King and someone else had noted that apparently this this stuff started appearing on, on the UFC website back in, in March and April, which is kind of kind of interesting to just see of why you know the UFC would you know potentially do that there uh, in terms of that. But you know, like it, and the person who said this to me, and 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 I really thought about it, and their their thought process was would it be a good thing if essentially in the United States, we only have two major players in the mixed martial arts organization, meaning the UFC and the PFL slash Bellator. And it was something that I thought of, but I just hope that, you know, I understand that there are people who who said to me and said, Hey Jason, there are quality fight people running the PFL product, but I also sit there and go, like, when I look at the PFL product and, and I want to see PFL succeed, I just think that there are people that are currently working for Bellator that could bring a lot to the PFL. And whether that is a Scott Coker, a Mike Cogan, anyone else under that, that Bellator platform that could help raise. And, you know, the one thing Bellator can do is they can sell tickets. We saw that in Chicago. PFL, that to me is where they struggle. I mean, I think PFL is is more of a, a TV product, even though the pacing of their broadcasts are absolutely god awful. Um that, that's a big reason why I watch PFL uh, after the fact is because there's just there's so much dead time between fights. I had someone recently say to me who who went to an event and they said like you know, like, Yeah, man, in the arena, like it's awful. It, it's it's awful. You're just you're sitting around so long just waiting for the next fight to take place there. So, I mean, look, we'll see what happens, but it's, it's always interesting because you just never know uh, who might be uh, listening in. Uh, but then the other news to get into is Francis Ngannou spoke yesterday on the MMA Hour and, uh, you know, really not a ton to take away from that. I mean, he did confirm that the fact that it is going to be on pay-per-view. We'll see what the price point is. I mean, I mean, what, low end, seventy nine nine nine, high end, nine 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 nine, probably?
1: You know, the more I think about this, I don't know if people are going to watch this show. I could be wrong. And I'm, I'm on, on the other, like last week, I was thinking everyone was going to watch this show. But the more I think about this, like Tyson Fury is probably just going to kick and gun his ass. Like, mm-hmm. like, like, like Tyson Fury is a boxer. He's been doing this his whole life, mm-hmm. and he's one of the best boxers of all, of all time. He's certainly not the best boxer in the heavyweight division's history, but he's been the best heavyweight boxer for quite a few years now. Uh, I I don't know how Nganu puts on a pair of boxing gloves and and beats this dude. And why would I spend $80 for this pay-per-view is kind of the crisis I'm at right now. I want to support Francis Nganu, but I don't need to support him. Because I know he's already got the bag, and he wasn't going to tell Ariel what the bag was, which I, I, I love Ariel because this is the thing. Ariel has a guy on, and he's trying to get new information that people care about, and he will not give up. He will try
0: and try and try and try. So...
1: It's an awkward situation, but hats off to Ariel for doing his job.
0: It's one of those things of, and as someone who's done this thing for a long time, I know when the same quest- question is being asked multiple times. And I think it was about after the fourth or fifth time, Francis just shuts it down. He's like, Ariel, I'm not telling you how much I made. And, this is, and I know that people are fascinated to know what athletes make. As a reporter, are you willing to tell the athlete how much money you make? Well, no,
1: but also no one cares about how much money a reporter makes, but people care how much money a fighter makes because we're talking about a sport where fighters are getting dramatically underpaid, where, yeah, journalists are getting dramatically underpaid as well, but also journalism websites aren't making that much money versus fighters making 20 or 30%. So it's, 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 it's an important conversation because Francis is making history by turning down the UFC, Going out on his own. And in the history books, it's relevant
0: to know how much he makes. I understand that. But as a reporter, I'm gonna tell you, if you ask the question five times and he still won't give you an answer, and you just try to ask it a different way, like move the fuck on. I I don't know. I mean you're I
1: mean you're kind of right, but like as a reporter, your job is to get information.
0: Look, I've sat in rooms where I've produced something and I can tell the person being interviewed is looking at our board going, move the F on. I'm not giving you what you want. And that to me, it's it's about reading the room. Like, if I'm Francis Ngannou, why the hell do I want to tell you how much money I'm making? You know, he sat there and he's saying, look, I'm making more money than I ever made in the UFC. Cool. Cool, but the problem is we're in a world today where it's all about clickbait headlines.
1: Yeah, we, we are. We are, and and that headline is going to be the headline. There's going to be a headline no matter what happens. If Francis gets on Ariel's show, whatever the most interesting thing he said that can get clipped out will be the headline because the websites do need to feed the beast.
0: Dude, 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 just go on YouTube. Just go on YouTube headlines. It is... Crazy, how much clickbait headlines are on YouTube at this point. And like, oh, and, yeah. and, the thing that, is. and the thing that I laugh about is when people who you know are doing these clickbait headlines try to act like they're not doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, and then the thumbnails are stupid too. I mean, just uh, how how are we at a point in society where, like. This is how people watch content, like a guy making like a stupid face, like (gasps) in front of like a big Snickers, and like the headlines, like "Oh, I ate the the world's uh, the world's smelliest Snickers." Like it's just like we are so stupid. Like this is literally the movie Idiocracy in twenty. Like that's just how we're living. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I hundred percent agree with what you're saying. I don't want to shame Ariel because when. Ariel has the MMA Hour. It's the most important show that we have. It's a different podcast than something me and you are doing because he is the newsbreaker when it comes to his show Mm -hmm. breaks the news. I agree. So that is kind of the sole objective of the MMA Hour, in my opinion, is not to have a fun conversation, right? It's to be the tone setter for the entire week of the MMA news landscape. So and at the end of the day, if you ask the question a couple of times and the guy's not giving it to you, the guy's defense is going to be up and his shields are going to be up, and he's not going to give it to you at any point. Now he's frustrated. So Look, that's the thing. That's the thing where it's like kind of a pointless exercise to keep on going at it.
0: I got more respect for Francis, the fact that he's just like, bro, stop it. Stop it, bro. I'm not telling you how much money I'm making. Like, eh, But that's not really where I wanted to go with this conversation because uh, yeah, I yeah. was thinking about this from a combat sports consumer aspect. So his fight against Tyson Fury is October 28th. We'll see what the price point of that pay-per-view is going to be. My guess is it's probably, I think lo, it's low end seventy nine ninety nine, high end 100 bucks. I think that, that's what we're going to look at here. But So that's October 28th. October 21st is a UFC pay-per-view in Abu Dhabi. expected to be headlined by Islam Hachev. We'll see what the rest of that fight card ends up being. And then two weeks after the Fury Ngannou pay-per-view, we'll have the UFC pay-per-view in New York City, headlined by John Jones, Stipe Miocic. And it made me think about, as a combat sports fan, you, you may sit there and say, I want to support Francis Ngannou and, and show you know he's got market value. But like as a, a combat sports consumer, are you buying all three pay-per-views? Are you only buying two pay-per-views? And you brought up a great point before the show. UFC is probably going to stack the goddamn deck for both of these pay-per-views.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot of pay-per-views in a short period of time, but the big winner is if you're a fan of mixed martial arts because you're going to get two f- amazing pay-per-views. I mean, we've seen Dana White in the UFC already throw a couple counter moves every time Francis has made major headlines about this fight, right? I mean, you know. They are going to stack these shows to get people to spend their hard-earned money on their pay-per-views and in turn not buy the pay-per-view. I don't think it, – it's going to be a hard-ass to get a, a normal person to buy all three pay-per-views. At the end of the day, you're talking about spending $300, give or take, over a four-week period. Four, uh, $300. People – that's a significant chunk of most people's paychecks right? And if you're someone with a family, if you're someone living with a partner, Mm -hmm. if you're someone who, like, like you may not have that much disposable income because that's real life. That's real money. People are still going to watch these fights. The question is, which fights are they going to choose to watch illegally? Which fights are they going to choose to follow on social media and read all about and not purchase? But I'm telling you, those three shows in four weeks are going to hurt the buy rates of each of those shows. Mm -hmm. I think the boxing fight probably gets hurt the most because the UFC fans are kind of conditioned to buying pretty much every pay-per-view at this point. And they're at least rewarded with some good cards. And the boxing fight is a new product for these fans. So I think the saving grace for the boxing fight is going to be how many boxing and casual fans come in and purchase this pay-per-view because the mma audience is going to be over you know they're going to be already spending a lot i, I still think the mma audience is going to show up but certainly these two uoc pay-per-views hurt the buy rate
0: to me the most interesting person that's going to be interested in how the inganu pay per view does has got to be the pfl Ngannou did mention that he feels that Jake Paul is going to fight on his PFL debut, which I think would make all the sense in the world if you're looking to, to maximize pay-per-view buys. But I, I, it'll be very fascinating to me to see what does what is the interest level in terms of pay-per-view buys in terms of Fury and Ngannou. Because, like, look – As someone in the bar industry that is a part of our properties in the decision-making process of buying pay-per-views, I never viewed Ngannou as a guy who brought in a different audience. I I always felt that he kind of brought in the same typical UFC audience you get, you know, once a month for those pay-per-views. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in terms of that. You mentioned about Ariel is a show where people break news. Well, Michael Page broke a little bit of news yesterday announcing that he is currently a free agent. Bellator does have a matching rights uh, clause in the contract. But there's a a tweet that I want to read that to me was a really spot-on tweet. And it came from Sean Sheehan. Of course, uh, Sean does some great work over there at at Severe MMA. And he tweeted, he goes, I've wanted to see MVP fight in the UFC for years and years. I absolutely love his style. It's kind of sad that my first thought upon hearing he's possibly a free agent is that there's no way the UFC will pay to sign him. Once the place for all top fighters, now expect every high-level free agent to go Anywhere else apart from the UFC. I really hope I'm wrong though. And, Daniel, when I saw that tweet, I was like, man, that's really spot on. And, and I saw another tweet yesterday that really stuck out to me and it said, is the UFC in the business of signing 36 year olds?
1: Those are both great questions. The UFC is in the business of signing young, inexpensive fighters. Mm-hmm. That's been the business plan for a very long time. They make exceptions. They made an exception when they signed Michael Chandler. They made an exception when they opened up the pocketbook and they signed Justin Gaethje. Michael Page is worth that exception. Michael Page is someone that the UFC can put in and immediately promote as a headliner, in my opinion. He can immediately headline an Apex card. I mean, yes, my grandma could headline an Apex card. That's That's just a fact. Right? It's yeah. it's not the most impressive thing in the whole wide world. Mm-hmm. But Michael Page can immediately get brought yeah. into the UFC and be a difference maker. He has to be matched up appropriately. He cannot be fighting wrestlers at welterweight. Here's the one thing I'll say about Michael Page. I got two major points about this whole situation. One is, when I first saw Michael Page fight in India in the Super Fight League, I thought that he was going to be one of the biggest stars in this sport. He didn't get there, and he's an incredibly talented fighter. And I think a big part of the reason why he didn't get there is he spent 10 years in Bellator. For Michael Page, transitioning to the PFL, bare knuckle fighting, staying in Bellator, he will be in the same boat if he wants to be one of the biggest stars which he may not if he wants to make more money even though he might have to sign less money it's the UFC. it's the UFC is the one place where i think michael page can kind of live up to the uh, promise he showed in the super fight league when it comes to how much of a star i think he could become and the second part is this real quick Mm -hmm. hey fighters Stop signing contracts with matching rights in your deal. That's insane. Ten years with the promotion, and they still have matching rights.
0: I want to say this is. I want to say this is like his third contract with Bellator. He's he's as as I as I recall. I think he's always gotten a new deal with you know fights left on his deal. But yeah, the, the matching rights thing. It's it's a rarity that a fighter does not have matching rights. I mean, Kayla Harrison does have matching rights her deal, and that, that's an extreme, uh, you know, rarity in terms of that. But, like, like, as I look at it, I mean, look, I hope he can get the most money possible. But if you ask me, as a combat sports consumer, where do I want to see Michael Page? I want to see him in the UFC. If you said rank in terms of where is he at, and if I said the options are re-signs with Bellator, signs with the UFC, or signs with the PFL. I feel like it's probably more likely that he signs with the PFL than because I think PFL would offer probably the most money. I almost think that Bellator is probably third on the list. But like as a fan, I want to see him go to UFC. I mean, could you imagine if you know you sat there and said, hey, Michael Page has signed with the UFC? And oh, by the way, uh, now he's taking on Steven Thompson, Vicente Luque. Michelle Paheya, yes. Yeah, Sign problem. me up for all those. Like as a strictly as a combat sports fan, I would love to see Michael Page because I think there's some damn fun fights. Could you imagine if he said he wanted to fight 85 against Izzy? Sign me up.
1: Yeah, I mean that uh, that Michelle Paheya fight is the one I'm looking at. I mean that would just be strange. That would be such a strange fight in the best <laughs> way possible. <laughs> Um, I I, w- I to me that's the first fight you book if you sign him, and then you kind of laid out maybe the trajectory for his UFC career, right? Those are the guys you want to f- match him up with, Luke. Then you know he, he's Thompson. Uh, then then you can look at someone like I don't know Rachmaninoff. Uh Certainly keep him far far away from Colby Covington and Kamara <laughs> Usman. You know what?
0: Why do I feel like Usman would be would want the challenge of striking with him?
1: He yeah, Usman might make that move. I mean, look—the the, the amazing thing you can fall asleep at and think of dream about if you're a UFC promoter is a, a pay per view in England with Page and Edwards. I mean, you—that's just—that's just what Dana White's going to dream about with his thumb in his mouth, be like, "Oh, that would be amazing," <laughs> or or no, he's probably just dreaming about whoever pays him the best site fee. Not about putting a, an awesome show together. I uh, I don't know. Hope he goes with the UFC. I think the one thing is Bellator might be out of the business of um, signing people on big deals while they are in this situation where yeah. they might be sold. I, I just – unless it makes a lot of fiscal sense to match his contract. So, yeah, he could do PFL. I think it's the odds-on favorite just because the PFL has shown – The biggest willingness to show people the back.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I was saying this to somebody the other day and talking about the Bellator um, potential sell, and I said, if you go back to the Chicago event, and and I've said this for a long time, Scott Coker is a very calculated promoter. And it's one of those situations of when he was asked about the potential sell of Bellator, you could tell he had an answer ready to go. And to me, it was an answer of, Hey, all you potential suitors who we've talked to, make your best offer now because we're ready to move. And we'll see what happens here. I mean, but, yeah, I would love to see Michael Page in the UFC, but I, I think there's a, a very valid topic of, is the UFC in the business of signing 36-year-old welterweights? Now, if he was a heavyweight. I,
1: I have a dumb question.
0: What's that?
1: It's Bellator sells does Scott Coker get money?
0: I don't know if Scott has equity in Bellator or not. I, I would imagine Hello. that he would I'm sure I would imagine that he probably has some type of employment contract with Viacom, and maybe that's got to get paid out. But like you're so the if, 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 if okay, you're him, why do you even care? <laughs> okay, let's just say this. We were starting a fight promotion and we said we're buying Bellator. I'm telling you right now, I would want Scott Coker run the organization. Yes. I, would I, I If if you gave Scott Coker the ki- type of money that Ray Cepho has been given to run the PFL, I think Scott Coker could do a hell of a lot of things and you put his product on ESPN. I, I, that's why I continue to say, like, if I'm PFL, they have got some very smart sports business people running that promotion. No doubt about it. But how do you not look at Scott Coker and go, this guy is universally loved, he knows how to develop prospects, and fighters who are exiting the UFC would want to fight for him because they know how much he is beloved by fighters.
1: Yeah, I think Scott is a phenomenal asset, and he's not the only one in Bellator that would be a phenomenal asset. And I just think the man probably needs a smoke break. I mean, he's been doing this thing for a long time now. I feel like if PFL extends the offer, he might say no, because he might just need some time to recharge his batteries and and maybe come back to the PFL or maybe go to the UFC. I don't know.
0: If you told me Scott Coker smokes weed, he might go on my list of guys I want to smoke weed with
1: yeah because he's spent a whole career keeping I mean, all these he, secrets
0: he's not he's not quite snoop willie nelson level but he does run a
1: lot of his shows in california yes
0: been, been in the san jose a lot of dispensaries in san jose
1: yeah yeah i you, you know you get a, kids in texas go to the doctor get a lollipop and in california they go to the doctor afterwards they get a joint uh, yeah, Scott would be someone I'd probably want to smoke weed with, uh, no doubt about it. Not that I smoke weed to my employer. Um, <laughs> I, 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 again, I just wanted to bring up the point that like it's kind of funny that Scott is like advocating, like, "Hey, bring us the best offer." It's like is he not? Is he going to get a bonus if, if, if they get a big deal? Like 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 okay, a I mean, good employee.
0: Well, I mean, I'm sure he's being directed in that way to sit there and say, "This is a way for you to send a message to everyone who wants to potentially buy Bellator of put your best offer out there." I mean, look, I think Bellator is sold within the next two months.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could, dude. It could be sold at any point. Like, we're probably going to do this podcast, and they're going to get sold this afternoon.
0: Very well, very well could happen. Very well could happen.
1: Uh, one, one point I want to bring up, and and I'll get more details into it as I continue to read this book. I usually read books about five pages a day, so it's going to be a long yeah. time until I finish it. But um, mm-hmm. I got this book about Sumner Redstone and the transition of power from either him to his daughter or these two ladies that were trying to like sink their claws into him and be his lover and get the, get the business. Uh So Sumner Redstone, obviously one of the most powerful people in America for years, obviously Uh, he's dead now, but he was um, the guy who ran Viacom uh, among many promotions. And uh, all I got to say is reading this book, it is crazy how the life is like for those people at the very top of the food chain for all these things these big companies we talk about these guys are crazy these guys are, are, are just absolute like it's just a different world and these are the people that are pulling the strings of these major companies you know when I read the details in this book this guy wakes up at 4 a.m in a bathroom in California and calls all of his executives you know, This guy's a real-life version of Succession, writing his son out of the the deal of of Succession because he he irritated him, right? Being mean to his daughter. There's a line where Sumner, who's described as being mean says, well, I'm gonna go to hell anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That's the name of one of the chapters. I I can't even remember why he was mean to somebody. That's what he said. uh,
0: That's hilarious
1: yeah so you know as, as i continue to read it but the other thing i was thinking about was like he also seems like kind of a, like not the ge- not a genius right when you think of the people that own these companies well you think they're going to be these geniuses who figured out things but it's like man this guy is socially really really stupid and it's just like man the people who are executives and presidents and owners they're just like us just some of them are assholes
0: to me, the successful people in our world, it's about the people around them. You know, the people that make them look a- as good as they possibly do. I mean, that, that to me is what it, it's all about. There, well, but it's, it's about making the right deals. Yeah. It's
1: about making the right deals because he bought CBS at the perfect time. He put less Moonves in charge. less Skyrocketed that. It's about being first often. It's about
0: buying the right things. And that was what Sumner
1: did do really well.
0: PFL needs to buy Bellator. Let's just, let's be clear about it. They need that talent roster. And we talked about it what a month, two months ago on this podcast. Go look at the PFO roster. Go look at the Bellator roster. The only people who are going to say the PFL has a better roster than Bellator get a paycheck from the PFL. All you got to do is look at the depth of that Bellator roster. It's not even close.
1: Yeah. You're right. We we've gone through the exercise. Um, that's what the PFL needs. I mean, not only that, how I you mean, half the PFL roster got wiped out due to PEDs, which now they're oh. hiring Usada.
0: Ooh. Um, Ooh. that is going to be interesting. Yeah, we, when yeah, you when you is. get ten fighters test positive, that's that's a bad bad look. It's a bad look on the promotion.
1: It is. Maybe Usada will be the thing that keeps people from not testing positive because now people won't be on drugs. Like maybe. Because of the prior system, people thought they could beat the system, and maybe this will be a situation where they're going to be more careful. That's probably what it's going to be. But, yeah, PFL, is, it's been a rough year for the PFL. I mean, we just lost Hot, Rustom, Hobby Law from the playoffs. Uh, we'll see how the playoffs go. But uh, I think next year will be a good year for the PFL. Wait, wait. If Francis is fighting in October, never mind. This will be a good year. The pay-per-view is going to be big for PFL for sure. Um, so it will be probably a good end of the year for PFL. Maybe those. – purchase Bellator, and next year will be better. But this year wasn't that good.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we still got a long time before we see Francis' PFL debut. I mean, you know, you're, you're probably talking sometime oh, wait,
1: in, wait. in the first quarter of 2024. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I don't know why. October is the boxing fight. Yes. Yeah, never mind. 2024 is going to be the, the the year for PFL to have a good year.
0: I did fight, you know, because I, I saw the, the KSW promoter – potentially throughout the fact of, of doing a co-promotion where Francis Fikes filled the freeze. And I don't know how many better options there's going to be out there for the PFL in terms of, of a fire with some kind of name value.
1: Well, that fight better happen in Poland. <laughs> that fight better happen in Poland. They can sell a crap load of tickets in Poland. That fight don't mean nothing in, in America. I don't Correct. care that Phil DeFries just went out and won. I don't care that he just went out and won this past weekend. He's the best – heavyweight in in Poland. That's not the point. The point is, what are you going to put on pay-per-view to make money? DeFries and Gano on pay-per-view don't make money. But DeFries and Gano in Poland could make money to a stadium. They could make a lot of money there. Um, But you could make money on pay-per-view if you do doing Gano DeFries and then you put Jake Paul in a money drawing fight. If you put Jake Paul in a fight that brings in the casual consumer to purchase the pay-per-view that's the one way you can make a decent amount of money if you're gonna do the field of freeze fight.
0: Yeah, I mean I mean they're gonna have to find somebody that's gonna get people uh, excited. Other uh news to talk about, uh, Jamal Hill has vacated the UFC light heavyweight title, tore his Achilles while playing basketball during International Fight Week in Las Vegas, and uh, you know, sounds like probably six, eight month, you know, type situation that he's going to be out. We're gonna see. I mean, you look at this this way, this light heavyweight title has work since John Jones is is crazy, but now we do not know when we're going to crown a new light heavyweight champion. I saw Mike Bono, MMA junkie said UFC officials confirmed to him that the Jan alex Pereira fight is not going to be for a tile. We got Yuri sitting out there. I mean, look, it would make all the sense of the world. If the UFC just came out and said... All right, the winner of Alex and Jan is going to take on Yuri later this year for the title. You just hope that Jamal Hill, when he is healthy, is thrown right into a title matchup. Because if he's not, oh, man, that sucks.
1: No, this is what you got to do. Yuri, Jamal, get better. When both y'all are good, we are going to fight for the championship. Both men gave up their championship due to injury. Mm Mm-hmm. Both men were champions, and we're not beaten. Let's just chill out and wait. The UFC's got four hundred championships. What? You you know the UFC ain't doing that. You know they ain't doing that. I know. I know. Tom Aspinall and Marcin Tybura, even though they're heavyweights, are probably going to fight for the light heavyweight championship. I know that that, and then and then next week we're going to have another light heavyweight championship matchup between uh, Poirier and Gaethje. And then we're going to have another light heavyweight championship between Corey Sanhagen and Umar. I know the UFC is a fetish for putting championships on pay-per-view, even though they don't mean Jack. All i got to say is you're telling me, Daniel, who's the best light heavyweight in the world? i got two answers for you. It's Yuri. It's Jamal. It's Vadim Nenkov. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what's up. Um, In all likelihood, I think what you said is the answer. Alex Jan, the winner, takes on Yuri. Let's crown a champion. Maybe Jamal will get better. Jamal is the first challenger for the new light heavyweight champion. I think we figured that deal out real quick.
0: So, if you look at since John Jones vacated the title in 2020, we've had Jan Blachowicz, Glover to share, Yuri Prochka, Jamal Hill as UFC light heavyweight champion. The last two guys have now vacated the title. By the way, did you see the video on Instagram of Alex and Glover? Grappling in water, and Alex is putting Glover's head under the water.
1: I actually haven't seen that video. I will. Uh, I will give that a watch. What's he doing, his poor coach? It's weird how Glover has aged so much. All right, like in 2021, he was a light heavyweight champion, and now he's just a cool coach. Uh, him, him, and Uriah Faber, uh, who is a huge star.
0: Damn, can't even find this video. What happened in the video? he's they're basically grappling in like some type of, of water. And at one point, Alex just puts Glover's head under the water. It's I want to say it's on IG. I feel, I feel like that's where I saw it was on Instagram.
1: Look, if there's one man, I don't want to put me in dirt the water. It's probably Alex Pereira. Like that's uh, my life would be flashing
0: before my eyes. Yeah. If you, if you just uh, search Alex Paheya, it, there's a video it says Alex Perez submits to share via drowning. Uh, <laughs> all
1: right, I will I will give this a watch. Uh, I'm I'm
0: DMing it to you
1: right now. Okay, yeah, because I am I am like a, I'm like a senior citizen and I cannot find it. Oh my <laughs> god, what are they doing? What? Are, why is Alex trying to drown his coach? <laughs> Jesus. That is hilarious. Yeah, that is uh, that's an interesting training method. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for Alex and Yan, man. I'm I'm pretty
0: hyped. The things you see on MMA social media, by the way, which actually a transition to UFC Vegas 77. Hey, yes. Chelsea Chandler, welcome to being a meme for the rest of your career.
1: Oh my god, that's a great transition by you. Oh, that was just a hilarious moment. Um, Chelsea, kudos to her. She's laughing at herself. I, I don't think this is going to... I mean, the only thing the UFC broadcasters miss is not yelling out, like, Run, Chelsea, run! The I love the commentary team, man. I love it when DC does the Apex cards. Because, honestly, low-key, like, I think DC is great for Apex cards. Because DC is a curveball. DC's the guy on the couch just telling it how it is. DC's going to spend... 25 minutes on the broadcast, trying to remember this one fighter. He's trying to reference. Uh, he did that like last show, and <laughs> yes. I still don't know who the hell he was talking about.
0: Oh uh, God, I I, it, was, I feel it, like he was during the pre <laughs> Yeah,
1: and it lasted a commercial break. No, it was a pay- yeah, it was a pay- because Joe Rogan didn't even could of figure it out. Uh, so I honestly think that DC is like the perfect apex dude. To be honest with you, I I because I, he's just like he's a hundred percent dude on the couch. And then Dom Cruz is, like, making a funny joke about how, thank God, the cage is locked, and uh, that was that was a fun moment. I mean, they were laughing. They were having a good time because that was a, the most ridiculous thing I've seen in a long time where she just does a full 40-yard sprint away from her opponent.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, Chelsea uh, Chandler's uh, comment on Instagram was, it was at that moment I knew I fucked up.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of trash talk between Chelsea and um and and, and Norma uh, before the fight <laughs> and Norma's quote afterwards was m- pretty amazing it's something about like uh oh man like something about like gringo don't talk to brazilians like that or whatever and I was oh, just I didn't like see that Yeah, it was, it was translated but it was I wish I had the quote up because they, they they had a lot of trash talk before and after and Norma just seemed like a complete badass and uh a great representative of a Brazilian fighter. I mean, it was a great night for Brazilian fighters in in the apex.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, by the way, you know, speaking of DC, DC had that awkward moment after Aileen Perez, won her fight of, you can tell he's in his head, like, don't look, don't look at her twerking. Don't look at her twerking. Even the, even the translators, like you can tell, had that look of, just look up, just look up. Don't look at this girl twerking in the middle of the cage. Yeah,
1: yeah, DC's got that funny, like, um, that dad energy where, like, he's just going to, like, make it so obvious that he's not doing something, that it's obvious that he's doing something almost. And, uh, yeah, that's hilarious that they were on camera. And, and, uh, hey, man, for Aileen Perez, you know, she's going to do a lot of winning in the UFC as she just completely dominated Ashley Evans-Smith.
0: So, you know, we, we all know you're a professional wrestler over there. Um, yeah. Did you notice Ashley Evan Smith giving her the oil check?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah you
0: know, I, I think you know you know how to respond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, uh,
1: yeah, I think Evan Smith might need to go into professional wrestling after this fight.
0: Usually, uh, if you lose, if you lose the, s- the prelims, I'm gonna say it is. F- a very safe assumption that her days in the UFC are over. Yeah. If
1: you lose the opening fight on apex card and you lose like a couple 10, eight rounds, you're probably done uh, for the time being.
0: Yeah. She was nearly finished in that opening round. I mean, alien press. Uh, she looked good. Like, you know, this was a card that there was not a lot of excitement going in, but like you talk about this card, there, there's so many things you can talk about. Like, here's some of the notes that I wrote down on this gruesome injury. Chandler meme, Smith oil check, close main event, not a robbery. New contender at one thirty five, and then also my guy Jung Young Park doing a dance after me after having about five or six beers and me just just roasting some people in darts.
1: Yeah, yeah, that dance was hilarious. Uh, Park is an interesting guy, and, and he performed well against uh, against Albert Durev and uh, nice submission out of him. Interesting name. Let's see. what. Let me go through your notes. I mean, we got to talk about the main event. But first, let's talk home main event real quick. Um, first and foremost, that's the biggest uh, – to me, that's a huge story. That Jack Della Maddalena coming in as a minus 650 favorite gets his butt beat in round one to Basil Hafez. And in round two, Jack comes in, outstrikes him with significant strikes, but Basil brings him down and has that control for two minutes. So you can make the case Basil wins there, round three, Jack won. But the biggest story of the night is Jack Della La Madalena, who is a top 15 middleweight, who has finished pretty much everybody, we thought he was going to run through Basil. Mm-hmm. And Basil's like, hold my beer, I'm a factor at middleweight. A man that I did not know existed before he stepped in that cage on Saturday is immediately an interesting name at middleweight. So despite losing the fight, I thought we had two winners on Saturday. Basil Hafez is a name you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to go about you talking about the robbery situation, let me give you my thoughts on this. So we're looking at round two. That's the difference in this fight. So in round two, Jack Dale and Madalena clearly had the more significant strikes. And that's the number one criteria in determining who wins the round. But I will say moving forward, I do believe there needs to be an adjustment to the judging criteria because having watched that round, I feel like Basil won that round, not based on the judging criteria, but just as a fight fan. I feel like a round like that should go to someone like Basile because Jack Dela Madalena did get the better of the significant strikes. But Jason, to me, it wasn't like a huge gap in how much better he got Basile. And because of the positional advantage for two minutes and moving from position to position and just putting Jack where he doesn't want to be, I thought that we should live in a world where round two goes to Basil Hafez, not Jack Della Maddalena. And what I'm saying is that was the correct scorecard that we got. But personally, I would like to see the judging criteria changed a little bit to where round like round two goes to Basil.
0: I didn't notice this until I went over to MMA Decisions. Whoever was running the bloody elbow Twitter account on Saturday night, they scored it 30 to 26 for Jack Della Maddalena. What fucking fight were they watching?
1: <laughs> How do you give round one to Jack? What the hell? <laughs> round one <laughs> nearly gave Jack la Maddalena's corner a heart attack. And you scored that for Jack? That's crazy. And also, which round was 10-8?
0: <laughs> It'd have to be a third.
1: I guess so. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jack I mean, looking like at
0: the media scores, the so you had the bloody elbow, then you had one, two, three, four. You had five um, people have it, 29 27, including Sean Sheehan. And when it comes to MMA judging, Sean Sheehan's always to me a go to guy. That, but uh, most of the scores were 29 28. Uh, and there were two uh, media scores that were 29 28 for Benil, uh, Pasil Hafez. I mean, like when I saw, like, certain like I saw Kamaru Usman I saw Justin Gaethje talking about this well they trained with Basile so I, I kind of take that with a grain of salt but to me it's it's a close fight not a robbery uh situation there you know something else kind of talk about you know in relation to kind of how you know fights are scored and whatnot we got to do something better about fence grabs because uh you know that Terrence McKinney and Nazim Soghoff fight uh, Nazim cleared two fence grabs that Ultimately stop a takedown. I mean, look, Terrence McKinney looked amazing in the first round. And then unfortunately, you know, Keith Peterson doesn't really do much to stop what the, the fence grabs were there. And then ultimately Nazim gets on his back. And Terrence could not defend the choke because one of his hands was tied behind his back.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was that was gnarly from Nazim. Look, I gotta say not fixing fence grabs is like the dumbest thing the sport hasn't done in a while. Like why in God's name, are you not immediately deducted a point when you grab a fence? It's not an accidental foul. If I come in to a UFC fight and I pull out a pocket knife and I stab my opponent, am I going to get a warning? Am I just going to get a warning or am I going to get a point deducted? Because uh, it's the same thing as grabbing the fence. Because I'm intentionally bringing a knife, and I'm intentionally using it as a foreign object like a professional wrestler. I'm intentionally grabbing the cage. I'm not throwing a kick and accidentally hit you in the balls. I'm not throwing a punch and accidentally hit you in the eye. I am making that choice. I'm going to grab that cage. So honestly, fighters, start bringing weapons to the cage. Because the (laughs) first time you use it, you're just going to get a damn warning. This sport needs to fix this issue. It's really effing simple. The second they do it the first time, you deduct a point. It's an intention. They made that decision to cheat. And guess what? Every single time someone grabs the cage, it's a really important part of the fight. No one's grabbing the cage when they're just chilling in the clinch. They're grabbing it when they want to get taken down or they want to stop a takedown.
0: Yeah, and, and, who know, and who knows if the fence grab doesn't happen? Does McKinney get to the ground with the sweep there and maybe gets on the back? Who knows? I mean, if you're Terrence McKinney, that has got to be the very frustrating aspect of that. Uh, by the way, if, if you did not watch this fights and you just want to go back and watch uh, just a hell of a banger, Evan Elder and Gennaro Valdez was a banger of a fight if, if people did not uh, catch that one there. Also, um, so when Acela Nunez' um, elbow goes one way, Arm goes mm. the other. Mm. Did we really need to see a replay? No. I, I heard didn't. the scream. I'm good at that point. I do not need to see the replay at that point. Even though the commentary, it sounded like DC, uh, not DC, but Dominic Cruz was definitely wanting to see the replay. He seemed yeah. like he's that gruesome guy. Like, like, is he that guy that's like, hey man, I want to see them, you know, pop back into place? And they and when you see the X ray of her elbow, you're like, oh my God. I mean, I don't think you're gonna forget hearing her screams. No, because, like I mean, they're in the business of dealing with pain. When you hear a fighter screaming like that, oof,
1: oof. it's a different ball game. It's a different ball game. It's just, yeah, they're in the business of dealing with pain, but when you're talking about snapping a bone like that, it's just, um, it's not something we experience all too often, right? We don't, it only, it, it's the most, crazy situation it's a reminder that gravity exists um it's definitely awful and i feel so bad for her and i yeah i mean to me that was probably the most notable thing on the prelims is that injury from Estella. and you know finally i mean it sucks you do a whole fight camp you show up to the fight and 30 seconds in that happens to you oh my god just a freaking feel so bad I feel yeah. so bad for her but on the flip side you know, when something like that happens to you, you gotta be so down on yourself and on life. But, but mm-hmm. you can overcome. And look at what happened in the main event. Myra Buena Silva post fight talks about how depressed she was on love, and so she went from being depressed, sad, to literally the biggest win in her career. And now we're talking about Myra Buena Silva as a contender. So in the prelims, we are reminded of how low you can get in this life and in this sport. But in the main event, Jason, we're reminded of how you can, you can get there. You can achieve mm-hmm. something with yourself. You can get to a better place mentally and also with your passion. And so that's the, that's the beautiful part of the sport.
0: Yeah, I mean, leading into that fight, when they showed Holly Holm walking into the apex, she looked like a defeated fighter. Who knows what was going on? And if Holly, I mean, look, Holly Holm's days as a tile can contend over. To me, if she's going to continue her career and the UFC is going to continue to be in the Holly Holm business, I think the fight to make, make the rematch against Mecha Tate, I think the fight makes sense for both of them. But when you look at this 135-pound division, Bueno Silva now number three in the official UFC rankings. So you got uh, Pena, Pennington, uh, then, of course, Bueno Silva. Then when you look at the you know, next kind of wave, you got Arena Aldana, Caitlyn Vieira, Penny Kianza, Penny Kianza, Caitlin Vieira do fight this weekend. UFC London, which is a fight buried on the prelims. And it's going to be interesting to kind of see what the UFC does here. I mean, I think it would probably make the most sense that they do. Juliana Pena versus Raquel Pennington, especially since Raquel Pennington was the backup fighter. Back at UFC 289, but if you sat there and said they're going to do Pena Silva, I got no problem with this. And by the way, who declared Juliana Pena the people's champion? Uh, she's not. Is that is that a self proclaimed proclamation by her?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's only one people's champion. He's making Fast and the Furious movies. Um, look, My- Myra Silva, I want to see your fight for the title, bro. Because, like, she finishes all her fights. Let's reward somebody who pulls out a ninja choke in the main event and he gets Holly home. Let's reward somebody who finishes yep. fights. Someone who I know is going to bring it. And not only does she finish fights, on the feet, she was bringing it to Holly. She was aggressive. Bueno Silva, Pena, that's the fight to make. That's the yeah. fight I want to see.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, you know, uh, you know. Also, I mean, other things to kind of throw out there. I'll throw out uh, Francisco Prado getting that the knockout victory there in the first round. Definitely a guy to uh, to pay attention to in that division. Um, you know, and uh, you know, outside of that, uh, Azat Maxim, who who is a, a undefeated fire coming he does get the win. Uh, kind of not that statement performance he had there. Tyson uh, wins via a split decision there, but uh, that does lead us into UFC London cup on Saturday. Tom Asenol returns. After that knee injury, 364 days later, taking on Marcin Tybura and uh, I was over on TikTok. And I saw this video talking about Dana White privilege and, you know, how a lot of people like say Michael Chandler has Dana White privilege. Is Molly McCann Dana White privilege? What does that mean? Basically that they're that, they're that they're given all these great opportunities. Molly can's in the co-main event of this fight card. I understand why she's in the co-main event of this one. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, I saw it was kind of a hilarious video. I saw yeah, there on I, TikTok. I, but like, when you look at this fight card, Daniel, all you have to do, I, I would not have to tell you where this fight card is. You would sit there and go, yep, they're fighting in front of fans.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a nice fight night card. I'm excited. Uh, yes, Molly does have Dana White privilege in the way she's promoted, but at least she earns it because, like, I mean, you look at this fight card. Molly's going to get the second biggest reaction out of any of the fighters aside from Tom Aspinall, so it's it's worth it. But yeah, I mean, even looking at the prelims, you look at a fight that uh, between you know Barbarana and Makomed Miradov, that's a good fight. Vieira, Kanziad is is a fight that probably belongs in the main card. Daya and Alvarez, Danny Roberts, and Danny Grant are also fighting on the prelims. The main card is great. Jai Herbert, Ferris, Zion, Paul Craig, Andre Muniz, Nathaniel Wood, Andre Feely. The main event is something I'm really interested in. I mean, Tom Hospital might be the best heavyweight on the planet. He has to go prove it now. After the leg injury to Curtis Blades. So I'm excited, Jason. This past week, I wasn't. But now, Mm -hmm. you're talking to me, Jason. I'm excited for this weekend. I'm excited for next weekend. Hell, I'm even excited for the weekend after that. And I just keep on going. And then after that, we have an apex card. So that's probably going to suck. So for the next three UFC weeks, Jason, I'm excited for some damn fights.
0: I would say this. If I said the second best of the fight is Paul Craig versus Andre Muniz. Are you with me?
1: Hmm, I am not with you, man. I am not with you. It's, it's close. It's close. Let me just double check. I'm going to go feely and wood. Okay. Those are the two contenders for me. Those are the two contenders for me. I, I think, I'm a little higher than Nathaniel Wood than maybe I am, Craig or Muniz mm-hmm. at middleweight. I think it's going to be a good fight, both of them. I think they're in the same category, the same ballpark. But if I'm straight up telling you, what's my – if you told me, Daniel, you can only watch two fights, probably watch the main event without a doubt, a shadow of a doubt, mm-hmm. and number two is Wood and Feely.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at the main event, to me, it's what does Tom Aspinall look like after that knee injury? You're, you're, you've you been away from the octagon now for a year. Um, and and look, they're they're not giving you an easy fight. I mean, Marcin Tybura, a vet of this game, I mean, um, interested to see that one. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned about Wood-Feely. I think that's a good one. I, I think there, there's some uh, fun fights throughout this one. And, and you know me, man, love me some afternoon MMA. Prelim starts uh, 12 o'clock Eastern time, main card 3 o'clock Eastern time. I'm all about it, man. I'm all about that.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a nice little Saturday. You can watch the fights, so and you could go out and have yourself a really good Saturday night. Um, yeah, I mean, Temperer's only lost like one time in his last eight fights. Let that sink in for a moment, mm-hmm. dude. is dude's really good. Um, dude's gonna be a stiff test for Tom Aspinall. If Tom Aspinall passes it with flying colors, now we're talking about a heavyweight contender. So I'm excited uh, for this fight. I, I just I love watching Tom Aspinall fight. And uh, I hope he recovered well. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited for these fights, man. Yeah, there's what there's 15 fights, so a lot of fights. Um, I'm, I'm excited to watch it though. This is going to be a good card, and I think the standout of the card isn't going to be a single any fighter on there. It's going to be the crowd. Either the environment in the O2 Arena is going to be top notch, and a lot of times in these fight nights in international places. We get some new stars that are created. So who on this card will be that new star? That's going to be something that's going to be fun to see play out.
0: You know, I I want to, I don't know if this is necessarily the WTF story of the week or not, but kind of start to wrap up the show with this one. Headline over MMA junkie, Patty Pimlet done eating 8,000 calories a day in between fights, hope to be ranked by next year. And so he did an interview with, uh, I guess it's called Slothbox, I guess what you call. And so this is what it says in the article. It goes, uh, Pitbull has received heavy criticism for his diet, but he plans on making some changes moving forward. "Quote," it goes in in one ear and out the other. They can all f off. I don't care. People can say what they want about me. I'm the one. As people will say, putting my life on the line and getting in the cage. People on the outside, they don't see what we have to do to make weight. As I've said before, I'm actually going to try and keep my weight down now. I've never actually tried to do it before. After every fight, I just balloon up and started eating 8,000 calories a day. Now, I probably won't do that. It's mad that people keep asking me, who are you fighting and who do you want to fight when you come back? I don't know. I'm not going to be back for like six months. And as you know, the amount of change that can happen in six months fighting, it's ridiculous. Bro, what the fuck? You're a professional athlete fighting at 155 pounds and you're eating 8,000 calories in between fights?
1: There's only one thing I want to see Patty do. His next contest is simple. Patty Pimblit needs to compete in the eating contest against Zion Williamson. <laughs> Patty Pimblit is the Zion Williamson of the mixed martial arts. The dude is going to eat his way out of his profession. How did we get here? That we have a UFC fighter that can't that's eating too much, bro. Stop eating eight thousand calories a day, dude. Stop it, it's really hard to do that. You gotta like actively want to do it. And I know, look, I'm gonna have some empathy. I don't wanna be too dramatic here, but also like sometimes people do have addictions to things. That to me is like an addiction. If you are eating 8,000 calories, like you actually legitimately need to get help and stop doing that because that is not good for you.
0: As if I was the interviewer in that aspect, I go, okay. How are you eating 8,000 calories a day? It takes
1: effort. It takes legitimate effort. Unless you were just like, uh, yeah, that's a good question. 8,000 is absurd. That's like some Michael Phelps in the Olympics diet situation, right? I mean, like how many
0: many meals you eat in a day to get to 8,000? And and how much of those calories may be in relation to alcoholic consumption?
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good call. Well, in that case, I may consume 8,000 calories often. The more I think about it. Um, yeah, that's a lot of meals. I mean, what, an average meal is what, like 700 calories? Like if you go out to eat, maybe 1,000. Oh, maybe a God, thousand, more more, maybe more calories. Yeah, I guess it just depends on what you're eating. It just it depends where you're going, especially if the, if the place has bread. and You're just eating pieces of bread, and then you get down to like 5,000 calories. So, yeah, I guess I could see myself getting 8,000 the more I think about it. Yeah, but the the trick is not doing 8,000 every single day. Uh, but yeah, whatever. I'm excited for Patty. We'll see who he fights. Uh, so,
0: up, so I just had to look this up since I'm, I'm a Stella Artois guy. Uh, so it looks like a Stella has 170 calories in it.
1: That makes a lot of sense.
0: Hold on here. Uh, of course, I don't think about when I'm consuming beer, how much calories in it. Uh, a bottled Stella has 127 calories in it.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I just looked at Blue Moon, and that's one hundred and seventy. So I think you're getting someone that a hundred to two hundred calories range for a beer. So yeah, we could put uh, on a couple thousand calories a night if we're drinking.
0: Yeah, I, I just I'm I'm not thinking about how many calories are a beer when I'm consuming it. I'm just i just throwing that out there.
1: Me too. Me too. Especially if you're drinking six beers, you know, eight beers, or you know, twelve beers. Uh, you're know, having a fun Saturday night with an Uber driver. Um, if you're going out, or if you're staying in, uh, yeah, there's nothing like a cold beer out of the town.
0: Oh, I, I, I like wait. sitting on my patio. You know, whether maybe Estella having with Della. I, I know a lot of our listeners love to hear about uh, the the professional wrestling journey. I had this question. Okay. I was thinking about yeah. this. So, your professional wrestling in ring attire—did you come yeah. up with it, or did somebody else?
1: Girlfriend buy it for me. Girlfriend, so... Okay. Okay, so I started off my gear. I only have two pieces of gear. Um, The first one, I went to the Dustin Road School for three months, and I knew at the end I would probably have a match. So I bought on Amazon some, like, red and black gear that just got shipped to my house. I'm, like, really, like, basic. It's just a color pattern. And the hardest part of the gear is... Um, how did my balls? I feel like I maybe have already told you this story, but it's just like uh, I was concerned about it. Every like I put on like three pieces of underwear, and I look at my butt balls and be like, I still see my entire penis. And then um, I, I told a vet because at my camp there was a guy who had been wrestling for a while that was also part of the camp because it's for everyone. It's not just for the the beginners. It's for I mean you're literally learning from one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. So whoever you are, you have something to learn from. And he told me
0: my first day in the business,
1: I talked to enter legends name here, uh-huh. who was on the, the, the card and the guy said, "Son, that's what the girls came to see, buddy, show it to him. So I was like, okay, all right. Well, then, Yeah, there we go. And then, um, so, so that, that got me over that fear. And anyways, uh, one of my most recent shows, my girlfriend kindly surprised me with uh, some gear she ordered. So she designed it using, um, I come out to Blink 182's song, so she used the Blink 182 font. So that was a really kind thing. And then the other thing is, so I bought black boots from highspots.com for my first pair of boots. Uh-huh. And then I ordered some custom boots from my bootmaker and I gave him the Tully Blanchard. Okay, so there's this wrestler called the Four Horsemen that Ric Flair was a part of. Yeah. Tully Blanchard and Arne Anderson were part of the faction. So they had an old school looking boot. So I just said, can you do this design in blue? So I got these new boots. The first day I wore them, I stepped in gum. And I still have gum on the bottom. And so I've been using my black boots ever since. But my black boots are starting to come apart. So now I need to scrape off the gum. So that is uh, the little update on, on the gear. Situation as a professional wrestler. So we got a match this weekend? Um, actually, no. Last weekend I had it on the radio. But this weekend's going to be all about learning. Um, me and my friend, Steven, who is also a wrestler uh, down here, we are going to travel about five hours to go up to the Houston area. Not exactly Houston. But there's a guy named Rocky Romero who is – a really important person right now in New Japan Pro Wrestling, Mm -hmm. but he's also like a legend in the professional wrestling scene. He had a long independent career. He wrestled in Mexico and spent a lot of time in New Japan. Anyways, he's having a little seminar, so we're going to go drive up, attend the seminar, learn from him, and later on in the day um, at that same venue, he'll be wrestling for this thing called the Texas Indie Showcase, which is just all these promotions that Texas bring their best matches. So. Saturday is going to be all about attending that seminar, staying for the show, and watching. But my next match is next week. Unless I have a match on Thursday, which I might, but I don't think I do. My home promotion is running on Thursday, but I haven't been told that I have a match. So, yeah. So, that's the update. But, yeah, uh, last week I lost. I got my head knocked off with the lariat. I can't wait to see the video of it because, um, yeah, it felt crazy. It felt like I landed right on my neck. But uh, here's the here's the other thing. Um, I have an incredible amount of sciatic pain, but it's not related to wrestling. It's related to sitting down for extended periods of time because I grew up with a lot of bad posture. So it's hilarious that I have all this, like, it's not hilarious. It sucks, but I have like all these injuries and it's not from being a professional wrestler. It's from sitting down. How is that possible? How is that possible? That sitting down is the most dangerous thing for me right now
0: too crazy you mentioned that is like one of the things of i remember it was like i don't know two three years ago my dad's like he's like man he's like he goes i can't i can't have my wallet in my back pocket anymore it just kills my head yeah. and now and now like i can't like really sit down like here in the office with my wallet and, and i've got a i've got a you know a skinny wallet you know just with cards yeah and like and i can't even like sit, yeah that was a big thing
1: I did in middle school, and high school, is having the wallet in the back pocket, and that's probably something you should like tell people. Do not do that, dude. I don't even know why we have back pockets. It's just a bad idea. It's just a bad idea to spend all day sitting where one butt cheek is a little more elevated than the other, and you pay the price later on whenever your body builds around that. But uh, yeah, dude, that's a. I think that's a common problem for boys especially because boys generally have wallets and generally use their back pockets. So, uh, yeah, I, that is something I'm paying the price for, uh, years later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I I, I, I deal with, I deal with more bad back than anything else. And yeah, when my back flares up, yeah, that fucking sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Like getting out, yeah. Have a bad back and getting out of bed is not fun.
1: Oh no, no, it's, it's not. And it's a real struggle. But you got to attack it with a focus and come up with a game plan on how to make it get better, you know? And for me, uh, it's just a matter of being smart with what I'm doing with myself and uh, stretching and everything.
0: Dude, CBD cream is like the best thing for me. Like, I mean, I've, I've tried everything when it comes to that stuff, but like to me, CBD, the other day, like my shoulder was, for whatever reason, I don't know if I slept on wrong or something, threw some CBD cream on it and I was like, you know, I, I felt good after that. But yeah, it's. Getting old sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, hair starting, my hair starting thin.
0: Like uh, it's like I see these highlights of Sting out there wrestling. I'm like, how the hell is this guy still doing what he's doing? I don't know.
1: I don't it know like he is he like his mid sixties? Yeah, he's for sure sixties. Probably sixty three. Let me look. Oh, I googled Sting and I got the guy in the you know, the police. Um. Uh, he is 64, and uh, he's still doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and uh, I love watching him. I love watching AW and WWE. Uh, it's just so much fun each and every week, and uh, great time to be a wrestling fan, honestly. There's a lot of great
0: product out there. Yeah, man, I just I, I saw that spot he did, like, I don't know, it was like two or three weeks ago. Where he jumped out of the ring and landed on... I don't know if it was maybe he was wrestling Jericho and threw him th- and laying through the table. I'm like, bro, like, good lord, like, why are you putting your body through this? The one thing I've I've noticed about AEW, unlike WWE, AEW is all about the blood. It's mostly
1: just John Moxley. It's mostly just John Moxley. Because he bleeds like in every other match. Uh but also, like, I think he at this point has a lot of like uh I don't know. Is it scar tissue? Yeah, or scar it's tissue. it's like yeah. e- it's like easy to cut him open, and he likes working a very stiff style. So honestly, like yes, AEW is up all about the blood. But if you took out all the times they use blood, it's like eighty-five percent John Moxley for reals.
0: Yeah, I, I, and he then like, I can only imagine like what if you're the next match and you gotta go wrestle on that mat with just blood, dried up blood all over the mat.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's just that's just what you got to do, my man. This is what you got to do. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's a good question. I do think everyone is probably tested, so that's a good thing uh, in AEW. Uh, the independent circuit is when you got to get worried about messing around in other person's blood because not everyone is tested. Mm. It, it depends on what state you wrestle in. Some states require that. Texas does not
0: yeah i mean it's i mean some states where i mean literally the the wrestling shows are regulated by the athletic commission and and a lot of it's 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 for tax purposes more than anything else money 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 money
1: money Dude, it's, like,
0: it's like they always say follow the money that, that'll tell you exactly everything that's going on but uh, of course we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the podcast uh, we'll let you know uh, gonna have an interview with Shamrock FC president Jesse Finney up on the YouTube channel this week I'm actually talking to him later on today they've got their 25th anniversary show coming up this weekend so always uh, love chatting with Jesse Finney to so be on the lookout for that of course myself and Dan will be back next week to talk about everything going on in the world of MMA and of course next week We'll be previewing UFC 291.